Good morning. 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 Topic this morning is incentives versus bribing, exploring the origins of gift giving on Hanukkah. So we'll see how these two things are connected. But first, because we have Hanukkah coming up this evening, Haba Aleinu Latova, let's explore briefly what is this meaning of giving guilt or presents? Where does it come from? Is it permissible? Perhaps it's a violation of following the non-Jewish ways. So take a look here at the Emes Lyakov. This is quoted from Ryakov Kamenetsky. The question that was posed was, Perhaps it's a violation of chukos akum that they give presents on their holiday, and we're uh, we're somehow emulating them. Uh, we have to pause for a moment. Yehuda, come, come, come! You're, you're too far away. Come, come closer. We have like 14 empty seats over here. You're sitting in the corner. What are you doing? Come on. Come. That guy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And shkoyach again to Reb Chaim for this amazing breakfast. Unbelievable as always. Okay. Anyway, so that was the question posed to Yaakov Kaneski. Nice to have you here. Tshuva. Nira Shiloh, it appears that there's no problem with giving presents or money to children on Hanukkah. The minig really comes from giving money to Malamdim, to Rebbeim, to Moros on Hanukkah. So how would they send money to the, to the Rebbe? They would give it to their children, and the children would take some for themselves and give some to the Rebbe. So this was kind of the origin of the minig. This is how it evolved, that we also give money to kids. Okay. One more second. It's more reasonable to assume that the non-Jews giving presents on their holiday, where did they get that from? They took that from us. Okay, that's the, uh, the pshat. Of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Question. Oh, that's a good question. Why were they giving it to the Rebbeim? What does that have to do with Hanukkah? Right, that's a good question. What is the tribes of Torah? Huh? Celebrating the tribes of Torah over Greek culture. So the one that teaches Torah should get the word. Okay, okay, that could be Pshat. And we're going to see something along these lines when we see a little bit further here. But should be the gift of mother holidays, also. Yeah, listen, Pesach. There's never a bad time to give money to a Rebbe, right? <laughs> That's it. Okay. What's, what, what's the What's the difference between whether or not the um, we stole it from them or they stole it from us? We had the issue by. By ah, that's a good kasha. That's a good kasha. Gershon's asking like a lamdan. Why does it make a difference where it comes from? We all know the famous sheet of the Gra that says by Shavuos we can no longer bring trees into the base Knesset because that's, uh, that's what the Goyim do. Okay, but, but we did it first. 
right? So this is a whole discussion into the halacha of b'chukoseim l'seleichu, and uh, maybe we'll leave it, we'll leave it. A hundred percent, yes. It's a good kasha. Yes. This custom out there of giving gifts on is that a North American invention? Like, he's saying they took it from us, but it's probably a hallmark. They, it's not, it could be a hallmark of Macy's invention. It doesn't, doesn't have to have any historical basis at all. Okay, listen, these are all valid points, but I think we're going to have to veer away from the discussion of the for now, a different sugyo. The one I want to focus on, though, is that this is the pshat of Rabbi Yaakov as to where the, uh, the minig comes from. We used to give money to Rebbeim, we still do, but that's, uh, that's the origin. Then we find in the Orchus Rebbeinu, this is uh, multi-volumes going through the life and different uh, hashkafos and halachos of the stipler. That's also a lot of the chazanish. So it says that the stipler used to give money to the children and grandchildren, on Hanukkah, and he was makbed to give it on the fifth day of Hanukkah. He would give it only to the single ones, not to the married ones. He wouldn't give a lot of money, but a little bit. So Reb Chaim Kanievsky, he asked his father, what's pshat that we give it dafka on the fifth day of Hanukkah? So he answered, shekach nogu ve'en yodeya hatam. Tradition. Right? This is the meaning in Kalal Yisrael. However, later on, Reb Chaim, he relayed the message to the author that he had a subsequent conversation with his father. And uh, Lemaise's father told him that there's something special about the fifth day of Hanukkah is that it never falls on Shabbos. Let's take the next hour and a half and describe why that's true. Right? <laughs> Okay, so he's not, he's not getting into the, uh, the origins of the meaning of giving money, but he does specify this idea that there's something special about the fifth day of Hanukkah. The difference that we see here is that he says that it's only money. Rabbi Yaakov said that we, used, we started it by giving money to the Rabbeim, and then it says that we give matanos to the Rabbeim. Is there a difference between money and presents? Well, it seems like the original meaning was dafka money. The way that Rabbi Yaakov was saying it is that that from that the minig evolved that we not only give money but we also give presents. The stipler, it sounds like, did not give presents. He definitely gave money. So my kids paskin like Rabbi Yaakov. But, but now let's take a look. One more source here, and this is the, uh, the springboard to our discussion today. The Sifse Chaim, Rav Chaim Friedlander, quotes a Mesorah from the Panovich Erov. Panovich Rav explained the reason for giving money on Hanukkah to children. So the, we know that the Greeks asserted the study of Torah. Then when HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed us to be victorious and we returned back to, to learning, and we brought the kids back to yeshiva after being on Zoom for a year. <laughs> they gave the children a little bit of money in order to, to learn. This was the way to 
make the learning more beloved, like the Gra writes in his letter, and their mindset was, it's true, by motivating them with money, that's Shalom Lishma, but the Gemara says, Mitoch Shalom Lishma, Balishma. So this is where the minute comes from. When we got back to our, our normal schedule, post-COVID, the kids went back to yeshiva, and it was a little bit difficult. They were out of the routine for so long. So in order to, the lushen here, and we're going to explore this very carefully, in order to make the learning beloved to the children, they were motivated by, by money. Is, is this speculation by the Panavichurov? It's not a historical fact. The Panavichurov has a Misura. He says he heard it from the Panavichurov. Anything that came out of the mouth of the Panavichurov was not mere speculation. <laughs> now, the mice, I'm not sure where, where he got it from. Um, there are other sources as well. I, I didn't photocopy everything here. But there does seem to be a more prevalent Masorah that th- this idea is quoted. And I think this... Um, well, I'm not sure. Let's analyze Ryakov. He said that, it, that the origin was giving money to the Malamdim. So Rabbi Wasser was asking, okay, but where does that come from? So might we have some kind of answer based on this idea from the Panovich they have to also give money to the rabbi. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you have to come back to work. They have to uh, listen. Until now, you were passing like the Rambam. You were teaching Torah for free. Now you have these kids who are jumping off the wall. We'll give you some money also. I'm not sure. Lemaisa, it's true. Yaakov does not say this svara, but um, this this is what the Panovich Rav said. I've seen it quoted from others. What I want to do though is not so much try to analyze what actually happened historically but I want to focus on the hashkafa. What exactly is this hashkafa of giving children money to make the learning more enjoyable or exciting, and can that backfire? Right, so this is the question, do we believe in bribing children? Okay, let's take a look at the Rambam. Famous Rambam, Perish HaMishnayis in Sanhedrin, Perik Chelik. Let's read this together. You take a young child to the Malame to teach him Torah. This is the greatest thing for him to reach Shlemus. But this little child, not understanding the good um, and the, the Shlemus within the Limud HaTorah, and therefore, how do you inspire him? So the Malamed has to be Mizares, the child for the Limud, through utilizing things that are beloved to him according to his, to his age. And he says to him, Korah, you read this, and I'll give you treats. Right? You see how things have really evolved, huh? Imagine trying that with a kid. You know, if, if you dive in nicely, I'm going to give you a walnut. 
right? And if you daven really nicely, maybe after the Suda, <laughs> that's right, maybe after the Suda, I'll give you a little bit of honey. So then Lemaisa he reads, and he's Mishtadel. Not for the Kriya, for the learning itself, because he doesn't appreciate the Maila. But it's in order to receive that treat. Now, what I'm trying to do right now, by the way, is translate this as, as literally as possible without giving any pshat or having any agenda, and then we'll have to explore it together. The eating of those treats is more precious in his eyes than the reading, than the learning. The, the learning, the sitting down and trying to read is omel. It, it requires effort and it's difficult. And therefore, he's willing to put himself through that effort in order to achieve the tachlis that's beloved to him, which in this case is a treat. Egos echad ochatichas devash. That's at a young age. Then when he gets a little bit older, and whatever he was doing until now becomes a little bit easier. He's developed a habit of learning, of saying over the parsha, whatever. Then Then we need to inspire him to the next step. And the Malamed says to the child, If you read this, then I'm going to buy you nice clothing or new shoes. No longer the Kairis, right? Those are now also for Yidin to wear, but I'll buy you the LeBron James. For some reason, those are not us yet. Okay. He's not doing it for the, for the limut, he's doing it for the, for the new shoes. That begot is more chashiv in his eyes than the Torah learning. And that is the tachlis, that's the goal of his learning. Then weiter, as we move on through life, when the child develops slightly more, and he's no longer into egos devash. He no longer cares about the new shoes. Now it's all about just give me money, right? What do you want for your birthday? Just write me a check, please, Grandma. But also hamamun etzlo nichbad min halimud lefisha tachlis halimud etzlo hu sheyikach hazov sheyiftichu ubo. The learning now is to get the money that you promised him, and then when he gets to be older, we need something even more than money. What's more attractive than money? <laughs> okay, perhaps. <laughs> What's more attractive than money is kavod. Recognition, validation, appreciation. Now the Rebbe tells him, why don't you learn for smicha that you could be a rosh and a dayan and people will stand up for you when you walk in the room. And they'll refer to you and they'll speak to you in the third person, right? What more could you ask for? And now, the tachlis halimud is to attain that kavod, to get that recognition. Concludes the Rambam.
This is a very important insight into human nature. Why do we do anything? Because we want to achieve a benefit from it. Or, Or we want to take away or remove some kind of hefzit. And if we don't have a clear toelis as to why I'm doing this, a goal, a tachlis I'm striving for, then it's true you might force me to do it, but then the maisa is hevel verik. And if I do a maisa of hevel verik over and over again, that will likely create a very negative association with that maisa. Azoi zokterambam. This is a whole life. He doesn't ever say in here that there's a point that a person just learns because now learning is enjoyable. No, the maisa. But he didn't say this is bad either. So, so the truth is, we're going to see momentarily the Rama Menuchos Tshuva. The ultimate goal is to transcend all of this. These are all different levels of Shalol Lishma. The Yeso, though, the Rambam is Mitoch Shalol Lishma, Bolishma. This is just explaining the process of Shalol Lishma. Right? It talks about getting to Lishma here. I, did, I didn't photocopy that part, but we'll see it in a moment. Menuchos Tshuva, he speaks about getting to Lishma. I'm focusing on right now on Shalol Lishma. But also again, nowhere here did he say that this process so far is a bad thing. Well, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's a good thing. He's right. saying this process is necessary. Right. right. I really thought like he's saying it's bad. What's that? He keeps emphasizing that the person is not doing it for, for any... Well, he's saying the person is not doing it for the, the Kriya itself. He's doing it for a different Tachlis. But, like Yehuda's pointing out... This is the hadrach of the Rambam. He's saying this is how you get someone to keep on learning, is you keep on, you keep on raising the bar, so to speak, of what that motivation is. Why does he keep pointing out, and he's not doing it because he wants to learn, he's only doing it for this, and he's only doing it for this, he's only doing it for this. It seems to be emphasizing that there, keeps emphasizing that the right. person so doesn't want to be learning. Both brothers are correct. You're correct in the sense that he's making it clear this is not the highest madrego. At this point in life, he's only doing it for money. And at this point in his development, he's only doing it for kavod. I, I, even saying only is, is actually adding words to the Ramam. He doesn't say that. He says the tachlis is for the money. Or the tachlis is for the kavod. And that's not the ideal. He's making that clear. However, when you're looking from the perspective of the parent and the teacher, how do I motivate my child... The Rambam is saying, here's the path. At the very beginning. Does he, at the end of this piece, get to the Lishma part? Yes. Yes. You know what? I don't always do a, an amazing job at the Marmacomus, okay? I, I could have photocopied some more. I apologize. But he does get to Lishma. But he is very clear that this is not, not lishma, but this is what the parent and teacher should be doing. Now, I just want to focus for a moment on the last line that he said, explaining why, why there's a need for this. Why can't you just make the kid learn? So to that he says, because we all need to feel there's a toelis, and otherwise it's a maisa that's hevel verik. So there's a beautiful Svorno. This is in the introduction to the Svorno and Chumash, which I think sheds a lot of light um, into this Rambam. He explains the, the basic feeling of Simcha. 
Simcha is something we all need. And what is Simcha, without getting too philosophical? Right, the most pushed understanding of Simcha is being able to attain something that we want. And if I feel that I never am able to grasp that which I want, then that brings atzvos. That brings a feeling of, of depression. The pleasure of simcha is when there's a hasaga where I'm reaching, I'm attaining that thing that I want, that concept that I'm striving for. So ideally, when we mature and we develop, the greatest simcha is to have something very ruchniyazdik and, and, and intellectual that we're striving for, and that brings the greatest joy. But the overall theme of, of simcha is hasagas hadavar asher nirtzabo. So let me ask you a question. If I don't have the first step of nirtzabo, then how do I achieve simcha? I don't. So I think this is Pshat in the Rambam. <laughs> if you could force me to do anything, if I'm, a, if I'm a child and you're my teacher, you could use all sorts of ways to coerce me into doing something I can't stand doing, and I don't have to see a benefit or a toelis in it. However, if you could create the, the, the rotsum within me to do this, even if I'm not doing the limud for the sake of limud or the tefillah for the sake of, of connecting with Hashem, but, but you're now creating a tachlis as to why I want to accomplish it, then I could have a feeling of simcha. Simcha comes with accomplishment. Right? So we all need that feeling of accomplishment. What the Rambam's doing here is telling us how to create that simcha as we go from stage to stage in life. How does he do that bridge till it's not? Oh, could you, before you get to the, the word that I think, could I just repeat one more time that this is what he's adding to the last point? The, well, I, I think what I'm, what I'm deriving from the Sorno is that if, if he's describing the Tanug HaSimcha, right, the pleasure of Simcha as, as attaining that which I want, so it's clear the first step is you have to want it. If I want something badly, and then I work towards that goal and I achieve it, then I have that tanuk hasimcha. You're saying the tanuk is not the thing you wanted, it's the getting the thing? A hundred percent. Right, it's not necessarily the thing itself, but it's that experience of having a rutzon towards something, and then being able to accomplish that goal. Because your only avenue to get to what you want is, that, is through the learning or whatever, so the learning becomes accomplishing for you, is that what I'm saying? So, so he's not addressing the learning, right. but I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting this is really the what the Rambam is, is saying in that last line, where the learning is, is not hevel verik, because it's bringing me to a tachlis. It's not the ultimate tachlis, but it's a tachlis of something I want. Yes? Uh, it just reminds me very much of like, the research that I'm doing. There's a problem in, uh, if you're trying to talk about um, goal-directedness in infancy, because everybody's explanations of where it comes from is always 
some rut zone, some inner, so, but it's, it, it circles around on itself. How can you have something, a desire for something, uh, if you don't really understand that there is, that there is anything to want? Um, and so, oh. what, uh, what we see, what we, I think what's happening with the babies is that they're just kind of acting sporadically and they make something happen and they realize that, oh, this is, I can, they like figure it out in the action and then uh, desire comes from there. So it's very much this Lilishman, Lilishman. Beautiful. Yes. Well, what about the danger if you have, if you impose external incentives on a group and let's say some, some of those um, people in the group are already at the intrinsic motivation stage, can you then uproot that, spoil that, for example. You You could spoil it, and you might even use the word destroy. Mm -hmm. You could destroy motivation, yes. And it's not just in a group setting, but even trying to apply this Rambam to Mamish, the case he's speaking about. Think of one Malamed and one child, and I'm trying to motivate you. If I'm not careful in how I'm presenting the motivation, that I could totally, you know, m- make this, this barrier between you and the ultimate goal of the Shema. You can minimize it. It's only, it's only valuable because of the one. Yeah, so let, let's now jump to page three. This is a beautiful Sefer. This is something we should, we should have like a vad on this Sefer because there's so much Chachma here. Revolba in his uh, Haskama to the Sefer, right? The English translation is Spare the Child, Rabbi uh, Jakobson. He says that there should be published thousands and thousands of these books that every Jewish home should have one. So there's a lot of chachma here. And uh, let's read together the dangers of, of bribing or creating incentives. And then we'll see how this could fit into the Rambam um, and how it fits into the Rambam. So here we have a story. I made up with my eldest son, an 11-year-old boy, that I would give him a dollar for every Mishnah he learned by heart. In the beginning, it seemed like a great idea. In a short time, he learned a large part of Seder Moed and knew it well. That's impressive, right? However, I soon realized that it was a big mistake. Two weeks ago, he stopped learning with me and instead took a job in a local fruit store. I spoke to him trying to understand and he explained to me quite simply that this way he earns more money in less time. I don't need to tell you how I felt at hearing this answer, especially since before this deal, he had never been interested in earning money. I'm trying to understand where I went wrong and what can I do to correct it. By now, the one thing I do see clearly is that offering him more money is not the solution. The father's error is obvious. He thought the child would perceive the deal just like the father did. From the father's perception, he paid money for the sake of his son's Torah learning. He therefore assumed that this would provide his son with a beautiful lesson in the value of Torah. But the boy experienced this deal from quite the opposite angle. He didn't pay anyone to learn. He learned in order to be paid. Since he was learning for money, in his mind, the learning was just a means to a desired end, the money. The father overlooked a very basic reality of Chinuch. In order to assess the chinuch value or damage of any experience or lesson, the parent must be aware of how it's impacting the child by being attuned to the child's perspective of the experience. This father was not attuned to his child's perspective of the experience, but only to his own. 
the unfortunate result of this oversight was that he himself taught his child to value and crave money. So this sounds at face value, very reasonable. It also sounds at face value, Kenega the Rambam. Okay, let's go slightly further. Just the underlined parts that we could read together. <clears throat> he goes on to say that this is true for any time you're, you're trying to motivate children for learning or for davening. Aren't we all moved by the sight of pure, innocent children raising their sweet voices in Torah or tefillah? But precisely because these activities are so valuable, they have to be conducted delicately and cautiously. The prizes themselves have no chinuch effect. They simply get the child to perform. They cause children to set their sights on material goals, which ultimately work against the goals we're trying to establish for them. So how do we counteract that? This means we have to find ways to cause the children to connect to the activities themselves and to come away feeling inspired and elevated. Control through prizes causes the child to strive for material goals in general. So it's really two dangers. One is in this particular setting, I'm trying to motivate you to get more into learning. Um, if you view the learning as a means to an end, that could, that could just kill motivation. And in general, when I keep on using material prizes and I'm trying to pump it up and make it exciting and gishmak, so I'm training you, I'm educating you to have a worldview where that's what we're machshiv. Anything subtle and less tangible, that doesn't do it for me. Okay, who wants to read the next story? Oh, I, I read it already. Oh, go so, for it, go for it. Uh, read the whole thing? I'm just, I'm, for me, reading the whole time is going to get boring, oh, okay. especially the recording of it, right? If someone wants to read it loud and vibrant, can you do that? Okay. Loud and vibrant with a gusto. I teach group bar mitzvah lessons. There was a kid who regularly helped me set up the room and books before the lesson and put everything back afterwards. Last summer, I conducted two parallel groups. This caused one more work for the, for the child, so I decided to pay him for his help. When vacation ended and we were back to normal, the child refused to continue helping without pay. I had to talk with him, trying to figure out what had changed, and he answered angrily, What do you want from me? You expect me to work, to you, to, to work for you for free? You yourself decided to pay me only because you realize that it's only right. So why do you suddenly think that you can stop paying me and expect me to continue helping you? Thereupon I slapped him. I reminded him that it is not exactly work, but a mitzvah. His sharp retort was, I know it's a mitzvah, but your job is also a mitzvah, so why don't... So why don't you also do it for free? That's a good oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I wasn't quite sure what to say to, to say to that, so I shifted to a different track. I asked him why he had agreed to help me for free in the first place. His answer was interesting. I don't know why I agreed in the first place. Maybe I was a loser, but that doesn't mean that I have to be a loser for the rest of my life. Wow. Oh, he's not, he's not 15? <laughs> right? Oh my God. 10 years old. He must be Israeli. They're precocious, you know? It's a... Kenaina Hara. That's a Gavra. <laughs> right. He's now the Rosh Hashiva of uh, Punavish. <laughs> or the fundraiser. <laughs> or the fundraiser. <laughs> That's good. Uh, this is a quote from a 10-year-old boy. It's very enlightening. He demonstrates how apart from failing to achieve chinuch, a prize can even ruin chinuch retroactively. 
When he was not receiving a prize, he was motivated by something else, something that, his sub, that he subconsciously conceived by himself. It was an inner motivation, a sense of importance and fulfillment. Right? Meaning, I think this is what the Svorna was speaking about. In both cases, before he started getting paid and after he was getting money, there was always that initial ratzon, and then there was a simcha, tanug ha-simcha, of achieving that ratzon. Before giving the money, he felt accomplished by just helping somebody. I'm helping out. I feel that, that I could contribute, right? I'm not, I'm not 45, but I could do something. And now that that whole perspective has been diminished... Once the child was being paid, he no longer needed to exert the subconscious effort to keep attuned to the spiritual motivation. Now it was replaced by a tangible and material motivation. So we see that giving a prize has two negative impacts. Number one, it develops material desires and expectations. And two, it can ruin the child's ability to... I, I said can. It can ruin the child's ability to develop a taste for spiritual pleasure... Right, the less tangible pleasure to enjoy the experience of the good things that he does. Now, I want to share with you, he has here a very, very deep and insightful question. <clears throat> Take a look here at this top paragraph. Do you want to read this question? Right over here. I don't understand, yes. Very. I don't, I don't understand why negative association happens automatically, but positive association does not. What is the difference between a child who davens because he's afraid his father will punishment and a child who davens in order to get a prize? Neither the fear of the punishment nor the excitement about the prize is inherently connected to the experience of davening. Yet the claim that when the child is threatened with punishment, he will associate the tension with the davening itself... Um, he sees it as one inclusive experience. Why doesn't this apply to the prize as well? Why doesn't the excitement of the prize become associated with the davening itself? Is there a logical explanation for this? So before anyone looks at the answer, right, this, this is the, the problem with giving English and the Mario McCall. Most people get this look down. And then we don't think as much. The mashkiach of my yeshiva, Rav Trapper, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, he always felt that being Israeli although it's, it's, a, it's an amazing benefit when it comes to learning because the, the language comes so naturally, it's also a ma'akev. Because sometimes you could just read it mamish fluidly and you assume you get it. When it's coming as a second language, it's not your mamaloshin, then you have to really think about it more. Right? That's the problem with English on the Marmakomos. Let, let's appreciate the question. What, what, what's being asked over here? Why do we assume that the child will make an association with a negative um, consequence, but they wouldn't make a positive association from a good thing happening? Meaning that when the father threatens him with the davening, then he's going to hate davening his whole life. But if you give him a prize, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to love to daven. Exactly. If you were to ask anyone, right, we, we don't have to be professional mechanchim, but you were to ask anyone, do you think it's a healthy way to motivate a child to say, listen, if you daven nicely, then you will not get punished. If you don't daven nicely... Then you're going to be punished severely. So no, that's probably not a good idea. Why not? Well, likely he'll develop a very negative association with tefillah. So the question is, so why doesn't it work the opposite way? I'm going to give you a dollar for every time you daven shacharis. 
He'll come back and say, well, we, a dollar we, for shachris? We, do, we realize why that doesn't work. Why? The, the kids are just going to go work in a, in a grocery store. But the question is, how do we understand that, that lumbus? Why is that the case? I think that the, 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 both ways you're doing something that you're actively doing. You actively need to do something in order to gain, in order to either avoid being punished or, or gain additional benefit. Right, you're both. You're both ways. You're being asked to do something. But why is it when it comes to negative consequences, then I associate fila with, with with punishment and, 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 and the harshness of my parents, and I tend to view God as being overly critical. Like because either way, I'm doing something. I need to do something in order to either not get punished or to be rewarded. I need to be actively doing. You're something. not answering the question, though. What's that? Say the question. The question is like this. If you threaten a child, if you don't daven, I will smack you. And therefore the child davens beautifully, right? Until he's 18 and then goes off the derech. So what's pshat? Because, I mean, why is that a bad idea? Because now he views davening as a very bitter, depressing, mournful experience. Because it's all part of that package of if I don't do it, my parents are going to punish me and God's going to punish me. Ugh! I hate this stuff. So if that's true, why doesn't it work in the opposite direction? That if your father says, if you dive in nicely, I'm going to give you $5. So then, okay, that's amazing. Then if I keep on doing that, I keep on getting that incentive, then I should view davening in a very positive way. Why, why, why is there a natural association with negativity, but there's not a natural association with positive reward? That's the kasha. Davening is negative, period, in this kid's mind. In both scenarios, it's negative. One is the punishment pushes him to do it, and the other one, the money pushes him to do it. But the davening is always bad. Oh, okay. So when you're doing something in order to avoid, it's different than if you're doing something in order to get something. So if you're doing something in order to avoid, your experience is I daven, and I didn't get punished. So you can keep davening your whole life, you can keep reliving that, I didn't get punished. But if you're davening in order to get something, and you... Right? So now you don't get it now, you're not reliving that experience anymore. You're still that 10-year-old kid, 30 years later, who's not getting punished. You're having the same exact experience, right? Your father's not here to like, make it a reality now, but you're having the same experience. So the positive should be stronger than the negative. And you didn't get punished. According to that, the positive should be stronger. You're doing, no, you're doing it to get a prize, so it works while I'm getting the prize, but 30 years later, I'm not getting the prize. It's a different... So how will we do this? It, it comes out that both of these ideas, right, seem to be number one and number two. You want to add something here? I was just thinking it's sort of like ava versus yira. Yira just comes naturally that you're scared of the negative. But the ava, it, you, what's your ava? The, the 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 love for it. You 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 don't have the love for the davening, so you're having the love for whatever you're getting. But right. So that's the davening either. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying, but but Lemaisa, it sounds like Rabbi Yaakov saying something very similar to Rabbi Safran, which is Lemaisa, the davening is be'etzim not enjoyable, right? So, and I think he's going to say this in a moment, but but there's a strong svarah to say when you're doing something not enjoyable, to avoid something not enjoyable. So then, at least emotionally, those two things go together very well. It, it seems like more of a natural consequence. You want to add so? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to add. So, similarly, um, the parents could also.
also be, you're going to make me sad if you don't dive in, or I'm going to be upset, or I'm going to be, you know, sad about this. So there's also a punishment in effect because the child's still not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it to avoid making the parents feel a certain way. But then I'm wondering, on the flip side of that, does that mean that praise is also um, not enough? Meaning a parent who you know, says, oh, you're doing such an office when you do this, or, or is showing, you know, meaning not, not to say that there's no place for praise, but, but it's also potentially not the only um, focus that a child can't be doing it either to avoid making his parents feel bad or to get the praise from his parents. 100% praise can function in place of money, where it might have a place, but, but it could also uh, be dangerous. Yes? Also, just psychologically, one negative and one positive are not equal. Uh, you need like three positive to outweigh one negative. So it's not, uh, and then also you have issues of, am I bad if I, you know, I'm being punished because I'm not doing this? Oh. You, know, there, you don't have that with the reward. If you don't do it, we're saying that the, the steady state is, okay, you don't get the reward, but you still have food and clothing and get a hug from your parents, but maybe you don't get this extra $5. But if you're getting punished, that's like, oh, I'm really horrible. I deserve to get a snack. I hear that. Let's see what he says over here, and then we have to get back to the last Rambam, and then we have to call it a day. Okay. So he has two svaras here. The first is, in the child's world, davening and fear of punishment are in the same realm. Meaning, he's not happy about either of them. For the child, davening, even without the threat of punishment, is just a burden. If it weren't, neither the punishment nor the prize would be necessary. So step number one is, davening itself, no matter what, is, uh, is not pleasant. Number two, the davening and the fear of punishment are perceived as a real cause and effect. In other words, the only reason for the threat of punishment is that the parent or teacher wants the child to daven. If there were no need to daven, there would be no reason at all to worry about punishment. Meaning, in most healthy homes, the parent's not going to punish the child for no reason. If you don't daven, then you're going to get this punishment. When it comes to getting something, so there are many reasons why I get something. Okay, so I'm not davening this morning, so I'm not getting the $5, but I can get it because it's Hanukkah or my birthday. So these are svaras why you don't have that same natural association when it comes to, to prizes. Let's jump, though. Now we have the Rambam telling us to motivate through prizes, right? Hakola fi chorpe, depending on his level of maturity and development. And now we're also learning that it could be accomplishing the exact opposite. So take a look at the Rambam here on page 5. This is from Hilchus Tshuva. He speaks about this idea as well of uh, starting off, Last two lines, he says, You have to continue this process of Shalolishma until their das develops. Megalim lahem roz ze ma'at ma'at. And then you reveal to them this secret, slowly but surely. Umargilin oson le'inyin ze benachas. And you margle them in this inyin, 
So, first of all, what is the Roz and what is the Inyan he's talking about? He's referring to Avodah Lishma. You reveal to them slowly the secret of the ultimate avoda, and you margle them in that avoda benachas, ad shiyasigu v'yedu v'yavdu me'ava, until the point where they understand, they know, and they can do the avoda me'ava. This line of the Ram, I think, is very, uh, very revealing. It's mashma that he's telling us as you're going through this process of trying to find other ways of motivating children, they shouldn't feel, although he said clearly in the Parish Mishnayas that it's not the ideal, they shouldn't feel that their avoda right now is less than the ideal. And that's why he refers to avoda lishma as a secret. As they're, they're developing, so then you could slowly share with them what the, the lacharchila Avodas Hashem actually is. Margilin benachas. What the Ramam is alluding to here is the danger of expecting more from a child than they're capable of doing. Right? This writes Revolba and Ale Shor. This is just like you have to know the Tchunas Nefesh of your child, and everyone is obviously very different. Kach al you also have to know their stage of, of intellectual and emotional maturity. <laughs> to, to set expectations for a child that's above and beyond what they could grasp right now, you're causing the child nezik. You're harming the child. Da kol tevia shalolafi gil hayelet alula lahakos petza nafshi belibo harach. If you expect more from that child than he or she is able to accomplish, you are basically damaging their self-esteem. You're making them feel that they should and they could be doing more, but they're not, and therefore they're worthless. That's the Rambam saying. You should only be megala lahem rozeb maat maat. Don't ever make them feel that what they're doing right now is not l'chadchila, because for them this is l'chadchila. So how do we put this all together? Rabbi Wasser, what do you want to tie up? We have a bucky in, in motivation. I'm curious how we're, we're you know, reconciling right, to spare to spare the child with the Ramadan Right, so the, 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 that, that's the question. Saying, like, the are pretty bad. That's he like seems to be like. saying that they're pretty bad. Question is, who's correct? Spare the child of the Rambam. Well, my said they're both correct. Right? The author of Spare the Child is not making this up. This is uh, part of the Mesura. Revolba spoke about these ideas often. And the Maisa, we see the Bechush. We see that if you, if you focus too much on the prize, so then what ends up happening is, why should I go to, uh, to father and son learning? They only have a rave pizza. It's not even from John's. <laughs> right? And what kind of prizes do they have? What, they're going to give me a, is a, a Rubik's Cube? <laughs> right? So we see that's true. So how do you reconcile that with the Rambam? Because the Rambam's clearly telling us you have, to, you have to use the motivation. And we have the Hashkofa from the Ponovicherov that it's okay and it might be the right thing to do to motivate kids to learn through giving them money. So two questions. First of all, does it, 
does it have to do with the way it's presented? Meaning, it has to so, do everything with the way it's right. presented. So are we going to follow some learning because oh, there's going to be prizes and pizza, or is it it's it's except like it's exciting to go learn, and we're also going to get that. That's number one. Number two, also, is there a difference between setting up the reward before or rewarding spontaneously? Meaning, just in general, not necessarily following some learning where you know what to expect, but let's just say in general, a parent wants to motivate their child. Is it better to say, okay, if you do X, Y, Z and you get to this and we check off enough boxes on the chart, you will get X, Y, Z. Or is it better to say, you've been doing so well, here you go. So this way they don't have those expectations of, well, I could just go to the grocery store and get it easier. Okay, so both points are very valid. The first one is, is the hashkafa, right? And the second one, you're, you're saying that that's a potential way of achieving that hashkafa. But, but the approach is, is that we have to be extremely careful that we do use prizes and candy and nash and money and even kavod in the right way to motivate. Huh? So right now we're not talking about that. That's your go-to. <laughs> so, so, so can we hit them? <laughs> can, we'll have a different shear on that. But we're talking about giving money and prizes. Is that, is that a kosher mahalach? The answer is it is. The Rambam says we have to. But it has to be done in the way where it's not the end goal. What he meant before... Oh, so, so this is what I wanted to... So where does he say over and over again, by each stage, he's only doing it for that reason? At the bottom of the first paragraph... Read it, read it to me. Uh-huh. Then he says... You missed the first one. By candies it says, Which is the Egoz Echad, right? The only reason he's doing it is to get that food. And then the, the other food, the whatever. The and the beggar, the clothing, who etzlo tachlis kriyoso. And then when it comes to money again, also mamun etzlo nichbad min halimud. Now he keeps on saying this phrase, it's nichbad min halimud. I think that's, I think that's insightful. What does nichbad min halimud mean? Right, like Shlomo HaMelech writes in, in uh, Shira Shirim, yeah, that your, uh, your love is sweeter than wine. What do we learn from that Pasuk? That there's something very chashiv about Yayin. What do you mean? But you're saying that, 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 that the love in the Pasuk is, is more chashiv. But the implication is, if you're telling me it's more chashiv, there's also a chashivas tayayin. When the Ram... Well, so if you go step by step through each paragraph, tachlis, what does tachlis mean? It doesn't mean rock tachlis, right? Right. Tachlis, I think, the shot over here is, and now we're... We're inserting our own agenda in the Rambam, but I think this is the, the pshad. L'fisha tachlis halimud etzlo, sheyikach hazov sheyeftichu bo. That's the tachlis. That's my goal in the learning. Then why would it be hevel v'erek? So, so we're going to get to the last, the, the last line in a second. But he says, Osu hamamon etzlo nichbad min halimud. Nichbad is kavod or kaved? Like heavy or no? It's it's yeah, like more. It's more precious, precious, more precious than the limud. Meaning to say that the, the learning is also something 
that as we're developing, like the Rambam says, we have to be margiled in benachas, but the, the way to be margiled the child benachas to avoda me'ava is obvious through, is through focusing on the excitement and the gishmak and the, the achievement of the learning itself. That's how you're being margiled benachas closer to avoda me'ava. Now, at every stage, you have something else that's more your tachlis, that's nichbad min halimud, but the limud is hopefully becoming more and more precious to you as well. I mean, can we, can we see this lahavdil in the real world? Like, not the real world. I mean, this is the real world. But lahavdil in the, in, the, in the business world, right? A guy could be making $400,000 a year and be depressed out of his camp because he feels zero accomplishment from his work. But he's working every day, but he, does, but he doesn't feel any enjoyment from what he's getting, meaning you have to still develop the happiness in what you're doing to get to what you're going. Meaning, meaning when the Rambam writes that Ad Shayirbu Daitan, that you lead them in a derech of Shalolishma, Ad Shatirbu Daitan Biyishachmu Chachma Yisera, Megalem Lahem Roze Maat Maat. Right, so how are you being Megalem Roze Maat Maat as you're still giving them different things to shoot for? So I think the only answer is, is that I'm not making it that this is the end game. I mean, right now, that might be your tachlis. That might be the ultimate goal. I'm more excited about the money than I am the intrinsic limit hatura. But me, the, the parent or the teacher, I'm being megalalahem roza ma'at ma'at. The only way to do that is by getting you more into the limit itself. The way that he says it here, right, in the... Uh, it means we find ways to cause the children to connect to the activities themselves and to come away feeling inspired and elevated. So, of course, when the kid wins the prize at father and son learning, it's likely he'll come home and the first thing he's going to tell his mother is not, we learned three Mishnayas tonight. He'll say, I won! Because that's his tachlis. But if in that process... The father was being careful in, in making it that it's not all about you might win the Rubik's Cube, but it's more about this is so exciting, the learning, the geschmack, you're trying to make it age-appropriate and engaging, and therefore they are, they are enjoying it to some level. That's not why they would do it. Why am I doing it? Because, well, I'm going to get something. But it's more than just the prize. It's the experience itself is somewhat enjoyable. But I need that extra push. He's saying this, this sentence is talking about instead of prizes. So I'm not sure he would say instead of prizes. <clears throat> and the Rambam wouldn't say that either. And he holds in this paragraph that prizes have no chinuch impact. No, but his point is they have no chinuch impact themselves. Uh-huh. They get the child to perform. He's not saying, therefore... You don't have do to, it. You have to do the chinuch. You part. have to do the chinuch. Don't think that the prize is going to create more of a cheshiva satora. That's going to get the kid to show up. The chinuch is the interaction. And I think that's the pshat in the Ramam. So do we, and, and this is the difference between creating incentives versus bribing. We had this conversation, we'll end with this hours late. We had this conversation, though, with the, the boys' groups on Shabbos. One idea that came up was why don't we just have the boys who are a little bit older, we'll, we'll give them motivation just to stay in davening the whole time. Why have a separate group for the older boys? So 
one reason why that might not work is if Lemaisa, it's way above and beyond a particular child to be sitting there for you know, two hours and change, so then the incentive is not going to make a difference. That's bribing. Bribing is when you really have zero or almost no connection to what you're doing, but I'm trying to control you and, and, and compel you to do it because look, if you do this, then you'll get that. But then there's mamish, no connection to the prize. Masha'in Kain, if we're doing something that is age appropriate and it's exciting and it might be hard to sit there for so long and you wouldn't choose to do it otherwise, I can bring you to the table through having that matana, but, but then it's incentivizing in a healthy way. Why is that different than a bribe? A bribe means that what's actually going on is above and beyond you right now. Mm-hmm. You're doing something that doesn't make sense. When you bribe a police officer, what does that mean? That he should be giving you a ticket. The reason he's not is because you're giving him money, right? I'm giving you money to do something you really shouldn't be doing. Mashenkin, if I, if, if I tell people, I, I tell the, the officers, you know, anyone who really excels in his job, but he's mamish there and he's courteous and he's courageous, we're gonna give you some kind of a badge of honor. Okay, that makes sense, right? That's something you should be doing and we wanna make it more of a, of a motivation to do it. That's what the Torah says, meaning it's blinding the person, meaning they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing right now, but they literally become blinded because of the bribe. Right, right. The boys say it's a large and deep sugya, but shkoyach.